The esteemed Irish Journal of Earth Sciences recently published a paper announcing one of the most important discoveries in the history of Irish paleontology, one that has been making the headlines in scientific publications around the world. To tell us more about it, we're joined now by Dr John Murray of the School of Natural Sciences at the University of Galway. John, this is an extraordinary discovery of sea urchin fossils. Yeah, this discovery, it's its quite an extraordinary fossil discovery, which was made actually a little over 10 years ago in 2012. It was made by Dr. Nidia Alvarez Armada. And Nidia was a student in the University of Galway. She was completing her undergraduate BSc thesis in Earth and Ocean Sciences. And Nidia was out surveying the Carboniferous rocks. Those rocks would be about 350 million years old around Hookhead Peninsula, which is in, in County Wexford, in South County Wexford. One day when Nidia was out, she's very, very eagle-eyed, and she spotted an incredible collection of fossil sea urchins clustered on a limestone surface. And she immediately contacted me because I, I was supervising the project. And really that set in play a, a sort of remarkable sequence of events whereby two years later we came back to the site to rescue the, the slab of fossils because they were in very, very real danger, serious chance that they could be swept into the sea by a storm or coastal erosion. Now, can you describe exactly what they look like for the benefit of our listeners and indeed for me? So they're obviously they're really, really old, 350 million years old. So that's, you know, it's a very, very long time ago, long before the dinosaurs ever, ever walked on land. And these little urchins, in terms of size, they have little globular bodies and they would be, let's say, between a one euro and a two euro coin in size. So they're pretty small and they're made of plates and they're covered in spines. Um, they're sea urchins, and so that means they belong in a, a wider group called echinoderms. And echinoderms, that name means spiny skin. Echinoderms as a group would include sea stars or starfish, brittle stars, sea lilies, sea cucumbers, people might be familiar with, and sea urchins or echinoids. That's their, their, their sort of technical name. And so they have these little globular bodies. And these particular urchins, they're crowded into a surface on the, on the limestone. About one meter by one meter, there was well over 200 individual little sea urchins preserved in exquisite detail. I, I mean, normally today, if, if any of your um, listeners are ever out walking along the seashore, you may come across a sea urchin skeleton. You may see one. It's called a test. It's a little globular bun-shaped calcite structure. And generally, they don't have the spines. After they die, the spines very, very quickly fall away. But these fossil urchins are preserved with all of their spines intact, which is just astonishing, really. So Nydia, to her great credit, when she made that discovery in 2012, she stopped immediately and went and, and made a quadrant, put it down on the ground, and then began to map out all of these individual little fossil urchins in, in centimetre scale detail, or even millimetre scale detail, on the rock surface. Now, as you said, she found them in 2012. Why are we talking about them now? 
we're talking about them now because the discovery and subsequent recovery of the fossil urchins was just recently published by the Irish Journal of Earth Sciences, which is published by the Royal Irish Academy. And the reason we pushed to publish it, we're hoping through publicity um, that we might be able to raise awareness, raise uh, funds to have the slab containing the urchins properly restored and curated and prepared so more detailed work can be done on it. The slab itself had to be rescued. It was located just above the high water mark along the coast, that hookhead. And Nydia and myself, we, we returned to it. So she first discovered it in 2012 mm -hmm. and we'd come back very regularly just to check to see if it was okay. And in, in spring 2014, two years after that, Nydia contacted me and she was upset because actually a portion of the slab had been removed and it was it was coastal erosion so a storm mm. or something had hit it we knew at that point we had to take action so we assembled a team and the team included people from the geological survey ireland people from university of galway all geoscientists and additionally i would like to to pay tribute really to the late Dr. Matthew Parks from the National Museum of Ireland. He worked tirelessly to secure all of the necessary permissions to allow us to get in and, and recover the slab. So we got in, it was actually December 2014, so this time of year, it was, it was a cold enough day and everybody went down and volunteered the time to recover the slab. Matthew led the charge in getting all of the necessary permissions in place. And, and this is something which, which Matthew in his career did. Matthew championed the establishment and the, the, the designation of county geological sites. And he worked with the National Parks and Wildlife Service to highlight the importance of many geological sites so that they could be included in Irish and European protection schemes. So this paper, which we published, we dedicated to Matthew and, and really it's a small reflection of his legacy in terms of conserving the geology and protecting the geology and the paleontology of, of many sites around Ireland. John, I, I realise that this discovery, it's not just of Irish interest, it's been quite the international sensation, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Hookhead is a wonderful, wonderful place to go and try and find fossils. It, it's It's People have known about Hookhead for, for centuries now. For several centuries, people have worked and collected. But to find fossilized sea urchins like this in, in this sort of numbers is astonishing. When we sent the, the paper in for, for peer review into the Irish Journal of Earth Sciences, one of the scientific experts who, who reviewed the paper remarked, and I quote, speaking as a Paleozoic Echinoid, sea urchin worker, this, <laughs> this is one of the most exceptional and striking fossil finds in the last century. When we recovered the slab, we immediately entrusted it to the National Museum of Ireland. We knew it was important. We knew we had to save the, the, these specimens and we knew we had to immediately give it to the National Museum for, for proper protection and, and, and curation. I, I'm curious, when you look at these, these fossils, how similar are they to modern sea urchins that we still have with us today? Have those animals as a group changed significantly in the last 350 million years? They have. Noel, that's a fantastic question. Urchins that we have from Hookhead, they're small. And back then, towards the early stages of the, the evolution of sea urchins, back then, their bodies 
were much more flexible than they are today. Their, their tests today, their, their skeletons today are much more rigidly built. And if you imagine a sort of flexible plated globular body with spines coming out from it, they were a bit like an armor plated bagpipes. That's the only way I can describe them walking across the seafloor. And when they died, they would very rapidly deflate or collapse and the, the, the plates would, would disintegrate, they, they would come apart. And literally on the seafloor, these urchins would be washed, you know, into small parts. Very difficult to spot them. So that comes back to the central importance of this find. You know, 200 plus little sea urchins clustered together in all of their spiny glory on this limestone slab surface that was, was rescued from oblivion, really getting washed into the sea. So they are different. They are different to today. In the years since then, in the, in the millennia, in the millions of years which have happened since then, sea urchins have become more robust. Their skeletons have become more rigid. Their mouth parts, they have a, a really curious five-rayed grab of a mouth part. It's called an Aristotle's lantern. That's become stronger and they have a more powerful bite. And additionally, uh, a whole bunch of, of sea urchins evolved the ability to burrow. So uh, at the time of, of these particular sea urchins, 350 million years ago in the Carboniferous, they were moving about on that seafloor on the surface, on the, on the, on the sediment water interface. But subsequently, numbers of, of uh, sea urchins evolved the ability to burrow. And that was a major innovation and that changed their bodies even further. So the heart urchin, which some people might be familiar with today, that's a classic example of a burrowing urchin. It would look quite different to one of these carboniferous urchins from Hookhead. Yes, indeed, those heart urchins, we call them sea potatoes. I was just looking at those. So so these are tiny little urchins that were very primitive. The end of the uh, Paleozoic era, well, after that we move into the next one, the, the, the um, Mesozoic and the changed. But they all died together and they must have been buried immediately by something that preserved them. So... And they all died instantly. So would there have been some kind of a pouring into the ocean of of something from a volcano, of some kind of sediment that came straight down and covered them all and they died in the sediment because they hadn't time to shed their, their, their spines, they hadn't time to do anything. They all just stood there together and died, all 200 of them. Aina, you know, that's, a, that's a fantastic question and also an amazing suggestion. Um, we, we have to further this work now and continue on and we, we do want to find out precisely why these urchins died. In terms of their congregation, they're coming together, 200 of them, and they're all, I mean, they look small. We don't know if they were baby urchins, little juvenile urchins, or if they were just miniature adult urchins. We don't know this level of detail at the moment. So this is work which, which Nydia and myself hope to pursue in, in, in the next uh, year or so. But they congregated on the seafloor, maybe there was a sort of spawning event or maybe there was something on the seafloor that attracted them there to eat. So th these are things we hope to discover vis-a-vis -vis, uh, you know, cleaning and preparing the slab and having it professionally restored and, 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 and prepared. Um, in terms of what killed them, there's a number of ideas that we have uh, and we'd like to test out. I mean, one possibility is that oxygen levels in the seawater just dropped out. Maybe it was they were asphyxiated 
on the seafloor. We, we, these are things which we'd, we'd like to be able to test. Um, whether or not there was a volcanic, you know, some form of chemicals being poured into the sea. Well, we don't have evidence of, of sort of volcanism nearby. So that, that one might be a tricky one to try and test. But certainly the something was in the seawater. I think it's something to do with the chemistry of something or the oxygen levels that led them to die. And clearly, once you can imagine a cluster of dead sea urchins and they're all sort of partially deflated, they should be getting washed away, they should be getting broken up, but it didn't happen. The spine stayed on them. So clearly the currents on the on the seafloor must have been minimal and they were they were enveloped in a, a mud, a mud and silt just filled in and essentially buried them relatively quickly. And even then, once you buried them, we we can't have any marine worms or things passing through the sediment because they would disturb the spines and, and help to break up the, the, the little sea urchin um, bodies. So really minimal, minimal disturbance after they died and, and when they were buried. So you're looking at the top of them because that was the surface that Lydia was walking on. How deep is your slab? Might they be standing on the tops of other ones? Might they be sort of six layers of urchins? How deep is your slab? And how, when you were taking it out to save it, how do you know how deep to go? I mean, is it is it 10 centimetres thick? Is how, you know, how much, where do you, how, how do you know where to stop? How much to take and how much to, to uh, like you would need to have for a complete sample? Absolutely. Well, when we when we were there and we were looking at the the um, the, the surface with all of these urchins, it was clear to us that it, it was a relatively thin layer of of these urchins, maybe one or maybe two urchins thick. And and you can imagine if you get somebody in now to very carefully prepare and clean away the matrix, they might reveal a, a few extra fossil specimens, fossil urchin specimens on that on that slab, but. It, it was quite concentrated. It, it, it didn't extend down through the limestone layer. So it looked to have been, you know, a, a, a thin, concentrated event. And that, that in geology terms would represent a, a relatively instant event in time. But a good question about the thickness, because what we had to do to recover the slab was we had to clear away around the sides and we had people down who, who were trained in rock cutting and who, who knew precisely how to, how to, to, to remove. So we had to clean away the sides of the slab, get it prepped. And then it, we went down almost two layers of the limestone, if you can imagine, two, two bed layers, and then used pry bars to, to separate and lift the slab up just to make sure we had everything. We got everything up. So it was quite, a, quite an operation. And then, you know, when we, when we finished, um, the removal. We were very, very c careful to clean um, the entire area, the entire surface, to leave absolutely no visible trace of the extraction. And I, I, I just would add as well. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I go down to Wexford every year with my students, um, Earth and Ocean Science students, and we, we, we run field trips there every year. And you, it's a site, you get lovely fossils. And all the time that we're there, we never collect, you know, we never bring hammers with us. We draw things and we photograph things. When we removed the slab, we, we made sure we, we cleaned away so that there was no, no trace of the extraction. But the, the surface that we took the, the fossil urchins from, I can tell you now that 
from the time of removal in 2014 to today, that surface has not survived winter storms, so it's gone. So had we not have taken that action in December 2014, um, you know, that, that, that entire slab would have been lost to science. I'm just wondering, John, where can we see these fossilised remains? Or can we? The remains are currently in the National Museum of Ireland and they're in their storage facility. I don't oh precisely, dear. yeah, I don't know where the, the, um, precisely where it is. And really what has to happen at this point is that the slab, and it's in, it's in a couple of sections which came, they, when we recovered them, they came out a bit like a, you know, a very large jigsaw puzzle, shall we say, but everything will neatly fit back together. And the slab then needs to be prepared and cleaned. Mark my words, there's no question. Once this has been cleaned and properly pre- prepared and, and conserved, we, we will definitely push to, to have these on, uh, on public display. Absolutely. It's very important that they are. And very important that we're discussing it today. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's pretty much all we have time for tonight. My thanks to Aina Nilauna, Richard Collins, Niall Hatch, Terry Flanagan, Dr Matthew Jeb and Jim Wilson. Our broadcast coordinator is Jarleth Holland and our researcher is John Bell O'Reilly. Don't forget RTE Eye on Nature details on the Mooney Goes Wild website. RTE.ie forward slash Mooney. Until next week, bye-bye, bye-bye, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>